Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profile and Projection. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Fennick. It's the last PPP of a six-week process. We've been doing an episode every weekday for the last six weeks. This is the last PPP, and uh, we're finishing it off with none other. We, you know, they say last but not least, with last but greatest, Daniel Jones, the most important piece for the New York Giants. Justin, how are you doing? Are you feeling sentimental? Yeah, yeah, definitely feeling sentimental. Didn't know this was week six. Why did I still have it in my brain that this was week four, even though week four was obviously two weeks ago? Bobby, these are a lot of work. Um, you know, we're recording basically every night. You know, we're trying to stay on top of news. We're trying to move guys around all the time because there's injuries, there's additions, there's trades, there's signings. So we're moving things around, but uh, it's worth it. Uh, we hope you had a lot of fun. And if you're listening to the first time because we're talking about Daniel Jones, binge every single one of these PPPs. They're somewhat short. Um, find your favorite players and skip your least favorite players. I'll, I'll, I'll even allow you to do that. We didn't change much this year. Obviously, we had to get rid of Nate Solder and uh, Sam Beal. We actually forgot to put him in, so we were trying to find a spot. Never had to do that because he opted out. We got rid of Austin Mack in favor for David Sills. Um, Xavier McKinney got hurt, so we replaced him with Tay Crowder. But, I mean, we, we stay pretty like to the, to the script for this, and I, I'm proud of us for that. We even included a Ross Cockrell tech. I mean, even, even though it was a part of a regular episode, we included a Ross Cockrell PPP that never happened, and he never even happened. So he even got a bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Justin. Let's talk about the cat, Daniel Jones, six foot five, two hundred twenty-one pounds. He's twenty-three years old. Was taken with the sixth overall pick in the twenty nineteen draft. A very controversial pick. A pick that I look back at with joy now. In 2019, his rookie season, he played 12 games. He came in week three and missed two games towards the end of the season with an ankle injury. He completed 61.9% of his passes, 3,027 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt, 24 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. On the ground, 45 carries, 279 yards, 2 touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry, 18 fumbles. That's the negative part. Justin? At a 16-game rate, he was on pace for 4,000-plus yards, 32 touchdowns, which have been the rookie record, and they would have beat it by four touchdowns. Daniel Jones is obviously the most important player on this team. And I am pumped to see what he can do in year two as a whole offseason as a starter, as weird as an offseason it has been. He has seemed to take a leadership role. He's breaking down the huddle. He was meeting with guys, whether it was at Duke or in Texas with Colt McCoy, he had been meeting with his team. Or if it was with Odell and Cam Newton and Sterling Shepard. He was being a leader of this team, man. And I I really can't wait to see what's in store for this kid. For the franchise QB. Who the guy I think will be the Giants quarterback for another 15 years. I think the feelings we have about Eli Manning. That the kid in 7th grade will have those feelings that I had about Eli Manning this past year at his retirement. Um. Not to get too crazy into it, I just, I really believe this kid is the truth. Daniel Jones crosses and teases dotted and dotted and is dotting his eyes so much that he's even working out with former teammates. So that just really goes to show you uh, how Daniel Jones's work ef- work ethic is really good there, Bob. Benny Fowler, right? Ah, Benny Fowler, including Benny Fowler. I mean, I was even thinking of our boy, of our friend Odo Beckham Jr. too. Oh, that's um, true. They were never teammates. Yeah. But I get, I get, I get what you're saying. He, Cam Newton. Future teammate, backup QB to Daniel Jones. Cam oh, Newton. 
no, Cam Newton's going to be our red zone quarterback. Um, oh, actually, no. No, because Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones has, has, hasn't thrown a, a red zone interception since his junior year, his sophomore year of college. So, not even. I was just about to correct myself. So, not even. You're correct, Bobby Skinner. Yeah, but basically, Daniel Jones showed you everything that he needed to show you from his rookie season that you want to see out of a rookie quarterback. And now, difficult situation. You know, did not have a full summer. He's not getting a full summer once again. Not getting a full summer with the full playbook. Heading into year two. Took second team reps last summer, which I think that's really big. I really consider uh, summer reps and camp reps to be very, very significant. Took a, took a team back from in his first start. Let a fourth quarter come back. Let a really good game-winning drive in overtime. So he showed you everything. Ball, ball placement was there from time to time with Daniel Jones. So for all of the moments that made you go, wow, Bobby Skinner of that Daniel Jones, we believe in Daniel Jones. There was also a lot of moments of skepticism and you wish that he was a little bit more consistent, but it's his rookie year. There's going to be growing pains. This is going to be a huge year two test for Daniel Jones. If he can fix up what exactly was wrong with his game from 2019. Let's talk about the negative first, which is just the easy part. The fumbles, the fumbles have to stop. Someone asked me the other day, like what happens if they don't stop? And I just really, that doesn't compute with me because this kid obviously like, as much as every like accuracy, arm strength, uh, mobility, all that stuff matters, what I really think at the quarterback position in the NFL, more so than any other position in sports, your mindset, your work ethic, your ability to not be phased by mistakes or pressure, I really think that is the most important thing. Obviously, you have to have all the other stuff, and I think Jones has that. I really think he's going to clean, like, cut these fumbles in half. I mean, we've seen it with other guys who have led the league in, in fumbles. They, you know, will cut them. You know, Lamar Jackson was one. Wentz is someone who's continued to struggle with it. But I know that's what other fan bases will do because they just like, all right, you know, people are negative. So they'll look at, like, oh, you know, they'll bash this, bash that. And the thing with Jones, like, oh, yeah, well, he fumbles. Turnovers, turnovers. But in reality, like, I don't really look at the, fr- the t- fumbles as how I judge like evaluate Daniel Jones. If it continues, then yes. But his rookie year fumbles, I don't go and be like, oh man, like this kid's just never going to figure it out. He fumbles. I just, I'm sorry. I can't look at those like that. So Bobby, uh, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, he was one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the National Football League when facing pressure. And it's because you watch the film, he does not acknowledge pressure that's happening around him. He stands in there. He takes the hits. We all know that big post play that went to Darius Slayton, his first start, and he took a tremendous hit. You can point to many, many, many a times where Daniel Jones delivers a good football, and he stands in there and he takes a hit. But Bobby, that's also, uh, I think he's so good in pressure, quote-unquote, he ignores that to a fault, basically, where not recognizing what's happening around him in the pocket, either not knowing when to step up or he steps up and a defensive tackles right there in front of him and he swallows him up, not using his mobility. That's also something that frustrated me a little bit, Bobby. And I was thinking about this more and more. Daniel Jones is a pretty mobile quarterback. Now, I don't expect him to go out like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and just make throws on the run and throw the ball 40 yards down the field when he's throwing a guard, when he's going across his body. But Daniel Jones, between the 18 fumbles and the 38 sacks, in 12 games, 
that's that's very, very excessive. And it comes a point where, yes, you can blame the offensive line, but also the quarterback also does need to be aware about what is happening in front of him. He cannot take as many sacks this year. The offensive line should definitely be better, especially with Mark Colombo and Garrett at the helm. Fumbles should also go down, but that's also about pocket awareness and how good he can manipulate the pocket. He can't just sit in the pocket, accept those sacks. I want to see him move a little bit. I want to see him move more. I, I, I want to get to the, the pocket stuff because I agree that I think that's actually his biggest need for improvement. Um, but you mentioned the pressure. He was hit more than any QB in the entire NFL with 66 QB hits, and he played 12 games. So he didn't even play in four of the games. Um, and he had the highest pressure percentage at 29%. You mentioned wanting him to use his legs more. I do, too, going forward, though. I want my rookie QB to learn how to operate from the pocket. I can't stand when these when these guys come in their first year and they just are afraid to make mistakes. So what they'll do is they'll have quick they'll have a quick trigger and they will throw short passes and they'll be like Marcus Mariota and they'll have a good nice high completion percentage and they won't throw a ton of interceptions because they're throwing the ball quick and when they're not throwing the ball quick they're scrambling and whether it's throwing the ball away or two yards down the field they're not learning how to be. And a great quarterback, which is from the pocket. Now, the game is changing where, like you said, you need to use your feet more. And I do want Jones to, as he goes forward, to use his feet more. But I love that as mobile as he is, he's a pocket uh, quarterback. Now, they should use more design runs, RPO, stuff like that. But I like that he operates from the pocket. And that goes into where you said, though, with pocket manipulation. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I think what sets those guys apart, along with picking and choosing your battles, is pocket manipulation. It's not scrambling out, but like you said, moving in the pocket. That And, and this comes with getting to know your offensive lineman as well. It's like, all right, I got pressure here. I know the move up and step to the left, or this guy. And so that, I really think, is what he needs to improve the most, is like you said, his pocket manipulation. Because there was times where he would kind of just float and float, and he was fine like with the pressure. But he could have had it thrown from a better platform or been able to step into a throw or had an extra second and a half to make a decision if he would have manipulated the pocket better. Yeah, I think even just feeling pressure, uh, it just really didn't seem like Daniel Jones is so focused on what's going what's going on down the field, which is good. It's why we pulled our hair out with we pulled our hair out with Eli Manning the final few years of him starting a quarterback because. After two seconds, after that Ben McAdoo clock of two seconds, one, two, and the ball's not out of your hand, Eli Manning's eyes would immediately go down. They would go down by their offensive lineman and by the line of scrimmage, and he would look and see what's happening around him. And then the play's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? The play's over. Daniel Jones isn't going to do that. So, and especially you talked all last year, and I think we even talked this offseason, we would rather have a quarterback that stands back there and takes, takes risks for his football team, which, you know, honestly... Daniel Jones was probably a little bit closer to Jameis Winston as a quarterback in 2019 than he was Alex Smith. But that's, I think, a good thing because Daniel Jones is trying to create the best opportunity to put points on the board for his football team rather than just dinking and dunking, which I kind of want to see more because I think Daniel Jones is honestly pretty strong in that regard in, in terms of his intermediate game when he's throwing the ball between zero to nine yards. I think he's pretty strong. Yeah, let me... Okay, so we're talking deep ball and passing it short. So deep ball... 
Um, so 20 plus air yards. His stats were 16 for 49, which is 33%, 500 yards, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. I had a hard time finding the 2019 numbers, but I have the 2018 numbers for like the league. Um, the 20, like 25, the, the leader was Goff at 51% completion percentage. The lower was uh, Darnold, 21%. So he's kind of in the middle of the pack there. Cool with that, a rookie. His same, the same amount as his last year at Duke, 11% of the attempts, he was going deep, which is a good rate. So you mentioned the Alex Smith, like people compare him to Alex Smith. And I just, I hate that comparison so much. If you're just talking about like his like abilities, like his ability to get out of the pocket, you know, accuracy throwing, then yes. That that's a good comparison, and you know what? That's Play the reason Alex Smith was drafted first overall because of his abilities. But where he's t- the total opposite type player than Alex Smith is Alex Smith throughout his career will not f- push the ball downfield. He will not, and it has it lost the Chiefs games. It lost the Chiefs playoffs games because he would not push the ball downfield. Where Jones is the opposite. Now Jones, like you said, we'd never want him to turn him into some checkdown Charlie, but. To be successful long-term, you have to pick and choose your battles. The Arizona game. Um, people like brought up like, oh, bad weather. There wasn't a, like, a single throw in there. It's like, oh my gosh, what a horrible like accuracy uh, like, like throw like accuracy-wise. The issue in that game was he was so focused downfield and Arizona covered it downfield that there was stuff underneath and he took eight sacks. And four of those were on him. So that's what he needs to get better on is not being a dink and dunk. But quicker realizing, like, hey, this isn't going to open up downfield. I need to get to my checks. He likes to check to the tight end. Um, we'll talk about um, him. We Actually, we won't talk about Saquon too much because we actually did that yesterday on his PPP. So we can talk about that, how he want him. But he likes to check to his tight end. So with this whole Y option, Jason Garrett stuff, and that's the part I'm most, most excited about for Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones together, is that if Ingram and Caden Smith have bought in and really like figured out this, then we can have this aggressive deep found field guy and have tight ends that we trust are going to be open when it's not open downfield. So that's where I think Jones can thrive in Jason Garrett's offense. Yeah, his his worst numbers in terms of his passer rating was between the 10 to 19 yard range. Um, he actually had pretty solid numbers when he th- when he's throwing behind the line of scrimmage. I guess that's not that hard. But between that zero to nine yard range, and even looking at what Jason Garrett did as a primary play caller when he was in Dallas between the years 2007 and 2011, uh, Jason Garrett's average depth of target was pretty low compared to the na- to the National Football League. So Jason Garrett is not going to be this guy who's going to want to air it out, which is which is good, which is good. That's not a that's not a bad thing. I really do think the Giants need to prioritize, you know, hitting Shep in the intermediate part of the part of the um part of the field. It's going to be the same thing with Engram with that Y option because what you're basically doing is that's going to be more reliable for Daniel Jones where he's going to have options to go to that those guys can get separation for him. Uh, it's just going to make things easier for him. I really think it's about making things easier for Daniel Jones. I think Pat Shermer did somewhat of a good job of making some things easy for him. I think we need to continue doing that, especially in a season and a summer that it's so weird. You know, we're in COVID world and they just did not have all the proper time to properly prepare for the full offense. Yeah, man. So, and let me throw, just throw this stats as I wrote it down. He was 42% on his third down conversions. Um, now, I didn't go through He's each good. QB's conversions like that, but just uh, compared to other teams that would have him 
at ninth in the league on third down conversion. So, which is good. And that's where he used his legs a little. That's actually where you saw him use his legs a little more often. And I don't really have stats to back this up, but just kind of a feel. I feel like that's where he was like, all right, like, I need to get a first down. And I like that. I like, I mean, you, I mean, think about the the game against Tampa, the game winner. That was a fourth down, granted. But it's like, all right, I know if it's not open, I can't try and force a pass in a tight coverage. They're playing this tight. They've done it the last two plays. I'll run. And I love I love the um, the play call by Shermer that left that f- middle of the field wide open. Anyways, I don't want to revisit that too much. Yeah, that was third down. I kind of want to touch on first down because we are both on the boat, and this is very analytically advanced of us, of really, really trying to prioritize first down play and early down play yes. and early down aggressiveness. So um, the Giants pass rate during the 2019 season was 64%. That's the third highest in the in the NFL. So you're thinking, oh, the Giants were a very advanced team. They're throwing the ball, but also they're behind in games. So that's probably, you know, that's definitely why their pass rate was third highest because you're behind in games. What are you doing when you're behind? You're throwing the ball. But the Giants pass rate on first and second down during the first quarter, and I break it down to within the first quarter because that's when the game matters because typically games are pretty close in the first quarter. Giants pass rate on first and second down during the first quarter was 45%, 27th in the NFL, and they averaged 5.7 yards per play. That is not, not very good. So while the game actually matters, and while it's early in the game and early downs, that's where we want Daniel Jones to be aggressive. That's where we need to be more efficient. So then, therefore, Saquon Barkley can feast after that, Bobby. Yep, and that's, we want to help Jones. We want Jones to help Saquon, and we want Saquon to help Jones. And so, I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm a big believer on that. Like, first down, get it, because you know what? The, at 6.6 yards per attempt, at a uh, 62% completion percentage, a, a likelihood of a second three is a lot more likely than, uh, you know, uh, Saquon at five yards per carry at second and five. So anyways, we're not, yeah. we don't need to go through all that. Yeah. So I also Jones. Oh, uh, this also just popped into my brain. I know I was a big believer last summer in particularly running out of um, under center and running out of running formations um, I really don't want to see that very often. Jones actually thrived when he was out of the shotgun, and especially when he ran play action out of the shotgun. Now, I don't really know where I am with wanting Jones to run really a lot of play action because I love play action. I think it's the I think it's a tool that NFL teams really don't use enough because it really, really it it's deceptive for the defense. No matter, I think if you have a good running a rushing game, a bad running game, I really do think it's effective. So, usually play action plays though, Bobby. And I'd be interest, interested to hear your take here. Usually plays play action plays take longer to develop down the field, and is that something that we want to be asking Jones to do with the mental? If the mental processing isn't as proved as maybe as we want it to, and as we're trying to ask him to maybe not hold on to the ball for as long as he did, and to make some quicker decisions. I really like play action as a lot of good potential in the league. I think the Giants should run it more since Pat Shermer ran it towards the bottom quarter of the league last year. But that could have been because he didn't feel comfortable with Jones's ability to process things. I mean, not really because he still like th- threw the ball downfield a ton. So I think it makes it almost easier where it's like you're going to have more one-on-one matchups. So yeah, more, more, so, you know, more. And yeah. have a better running no, game to where they threaten it and where you you have linebackers flowing outside the way the Vikings and the 49ers do. Um, and that's why you see Cousins and Garoppolo have such like high completion percentage numbers. 
Um, even though we, we probably would fight about that if we did a whole separate subject on that. Um, yeah. And so, and speaking of that one, like that's another thing. One-on-ones, he likes to take chances. He's got a guy in Slayton who could take chances with. Maybe, uh, Sills can grow into that role a little bit. Even Tate, like Tate did some things that we weren't expecting him to be. Whether, and you, he may have like been lower than what your expectations of Tate were as a whole. But it's like, oh my gosh, this guy is making plays downfield, like big plays. No, he won he won jump balls and what partially changed my mind on Tate and Jones, you know, this is Jones throwing the ball here. Tate's average depth of target was actually pretty deep. It was actually the the, the deepest of his entire career. So the way that Jones and uh, Tate's connection, it just may be different compared to the other quarterbacks that he's had. So yeah, keep going with that. Yeah, and what the point I was getting at was that Jones downfield accuracy, I love it. I love it. I feel like he puts it in great spots. I I can't stand like there's like a deep ball site where they measure accuracy. Um, and I saw someone clip the videos of the bad throws and look. These some of these are like accurate, and you're paying them as inaccurate. So, anyways, I love his accuracy downfield. Uh, I loved it at Duke. I loved it in the NFL. That's why he had was was had big plays. That's why he had 10, 20 plus yard touchdowns. Um, it wasn't because guys were schemed wide open like downfield. I mean. I mean, I mean, let's try and think about it. Um, I don't think he had any twenty-plus like yard touchdowns against Tampa, um, Minnesota. They'll want to get to Slayton, um, New England to Tate on the wheel route. I mean, I'm trying to think like the two Detroit, to versus, Detroit. There was um, the two to Detroit. Slayton, there was two to Slayton. Slayton. Like, but also, I do, ha- I do have to. Here's what I have to say in terms of Daniel Jones's. The only ball. wide open one I think of, I can think of, is Saquon. Uh, down the seam against Washington. In Washington, yeah. Now, Bobby, I, I think it's the National Football League these days, and I guess unless the Giants are on defense, you're not really going to be getting a lot of wide-open touchdowns. But what I really do think Jones does still need to improve a little bit on his deep ball because there were some... Now, on one-on-one opportunities, love them. And there's data to back up, and it's I think it's pretty easy to see when teams are playing in man coverage, Jones has pretty good numbers. But it's when you get to zone coverage. Now, I'm not of the belief that you really should trust these numbers. Yeah, I, I hate these numbers. I've went, I've went like to war against these numbers. Yeah, there's you can play. You know, there's zone blitzes. There's there's a mix between zone and man. So whenever you see numbers about Daniel Jones is bad against zone coverage, I wouldn't fully trust them. But at the same time, I don't think the film the film does not lie. Where if there's a safety over the top and Daniel Jones is really trying to target somebody outside the numbers and by the sideline, he would sometimes make irrational mistakes and try to fit a ball to Cody Latimer, fit a ball into Darius Slayton, fit a ball to somebody going down the left or the right sideline when there is a safety over the top versus when somebody was was one-on-one, his ball placement was pretty darn good, and he was able to let his receivers go up and make a play. But granted, rookie year. I'm not stressing him wanting to push the ball downfield and try to let his guy go up and make a play. I'm not ripping my hair out over that. What I am going to rip my hair out over is the pocket manipulation and his ability to not get sacked and not fumble the ball. That's going to be the thing that I'm going to be ripping out my hair over Daniel Jones in year two. The mental processing, I don't know. You expect him to take a year two jump, but just overall with the new offense and the new scheme, at least to start the year, I don't know how much that really is going to change and improve. I also don't think Daniel Jones is ever going to be an excellent deep ball passer. I don't. I think Why he's not? really going to live. I just don't. I because I see his more his more or less his natural ability more like Alex Smith, but not his play style. 
His play style is different from Alex Smith, but his abilities are similar to him. Yeah, but Alex Smith's abilities doesn't stop him from going. Like, Alex Smith was drafted first overall over Aaron Rodgers, because not because of his play style, because of his abilities. Um, also, when you combine Jason Garrett's offense as a whole, I don't see him being a prolific, I think it, a lot of it comes back passer. down to who the quarterback is, though, where Jones is a different type of QB than Dak is. Um, so I do, I do, because I think he, you know, 11% of his attempts downfield combined with accuracy, uh, combined with the balls that the guy has where he's not as scared of, uh, afraid of anything, um, I do think he will be. And as the NFL becomes more of a downfield league. So I, and I'm glad you didn't bring in any of those zone stats. Cause I, like you remember, I did a whole video on it. I, those zone stats by NFL next gen, they're just flat out wrong. And they basically came out and admitted that they're wrong. So let's talk about 2020 real quick. I mean, and then I mean we'll, we'll shut it down. But I mean, it's not, it's not that they're wrong. It's just that they're not fully accurate. That that's you just said wrong with two, like an extra couple words. I still think he needs to do work in terms of zone coverage, where he's very good in man, but he still needs to grow. And that's not a bad thing. He's like I said, we've said he's a rookie quarterback. He needs to grow in that regard. Right, but the stats are just like you could just the NFL next gen stats. You should just throw away. I mean, remember I did right, the video. You're, you're a fan co- of film, and I'm going off of what you see on film. I mean, he he does a lot better in man coverage. He needs to work on his yeah. I'm just saying that in zone. When you say like those stats aren't necessarily like they're less accurate, they're just flat out like the guy wrote the article saying that his only zone touchdown was against Chicago. I did a video. There were six others. The NFL Next Gen people came out and flat out like the guy who runs it said like Yeah, we're kind of we're not really good at doing this." PFF, you know, even came out and said that I was right. So I, I agree that he's better in man than zone, and he needs to work on some stuff for his zone. But those numbers, they're not just like at like like sketchy. They're just flat out wrong. So, anyways, let's talk no, about. 2020, I, I agree. Though. I've said over and over again. I agree with you. Let's talk about twenty twenty, and we'll finish off. And this will be like some basic like sports radio talk. If he jump, if he improves, there's no reason this offense can't score points. And that's why we've been big on bringing in a guy like Logan Ryan or Cockrell or whoever is because if our defense can just not totally lose us games, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, these receivers, these tight ends, this improved offensive line, the offensive line, may like Thomas may have some rookie struggles. Fleming may just be bad, but nonetheless, it should be improved because you can't be as bad as, as Solder was. Um, Gates, we fully expect him to be improvement over Jalapio. Even if you're just coming, like putting it down to like calling things out, Jalapio was horrible at that. So this offense has no reason to not put up points. We have a tough schedule, and that's the difference between this year and last year. But man, I really think that Jones, if he can take a step forward, cut the fumbles in half because that gave points to other teams. It gave points to the Bears, the Jets, and other games. There's no reason why this offense can't score points and win games. I'm very excited for Jason Garrett. I'm excited for what he can do. I've been trying to convince myself to maybe not be excited because I knew that I was excited. I was trying to look for things to not get me excited. Bobby, I'm excited. I couldn't I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything that did not get me excited for what our personnel is, for what is around Jones, and then also just looking at who Jones is as a quarterback himself. Um, if you were excited for Pat Shermer to work with Daniel Jones, you ought to be, I think, 10 times more excited for Jason Garrett to work with Daniel Jones. And I think Jones, the work that he's put in, the the type of character that he is. I was even saying this on a I was saying this somewhat recently on a different podcast where there's a clear reason why the Giants took Daniel Jones 
and they didn't take a Dwayne Haskins, and they didn't take a Drew Locke, or they didn't take a, a, insert another quarterback that everybody says that the Giants should have picked here. And it's because of the reasons that we cannot see, because they know the type of person he is, they know the type of worker that he is, and they know that he's going to take care of business, and he's going to, if he's going to fail, it's not going to be because of lack of trying, and it's not going to be because of lack of work. So... I'm I'm very excited to see what he can do. Most valuable position in sports, most important position in sports. Go take care of it. And shut up about if we struggle and we get Trevor Lawrence or just shut up. This guy's the truth, okay? And you know what? Even if there is struggles this year, he has showed me enough from his rookie year that he deserves a third year, okay? Unless you were banging on the table to move on from Baker from the Browns, he has shown enough. His mentality, his work ethic. Gives him a year three. So I know that people love to do that. And it always happens the further away from we get from actually watching him play. He's he's This kid is the truth. Let him grow. Don't be an asshole this whole year. That's how I'm finishing off the PPPs for 2020. Don't be an asshole in 2020 when it comes to our franchise QB. Don't be a dick. Whoa. I'm serious. That crap. Bleep. I don't get fired up by like Twitter replies like I, I used to. Now, granted, we haven't been in season, but that is the one thing that just annoys the crap out of me. It's like, we just saw this guy in, come in, set the like pace to have the rookie touchdown record, and people are like ta- like fantasizing about moving on. It's such a sick and weird thing, and the Cardinals did it. The, what the Cardinals did is so unlike anything else and is not a trend. It's a totally different situation where they got this different type of coach, you have a different type of QB, shut up, and Trevor Lawrence isn't an Andrew Luck type prospect anyways. Uh, anyways, he sucked against LSU. He sucked against NFL talent. And I love that Jones went to Duke and struggled and went through stuff. I love that his third down completion percentage went up 10 points from the college to the NFL. I love that his deep ball went up 9 points when they college to the NFL. So when Jeff Schwartz, after the draft goes, college players, their stats never get better at the NFL. It just doesn't happen. Well, guess what? It does happen when you go to Duke and you play and you deal with 37 drops. The kid's the truth. He's here to play and he's here to stay. I'm done. Wow. Daniel Jones, Super Bowl champion. We will be saying that by the time of his end of his career. We will be saying that. I'm I'm so confident in that. It's unbelievable. How do you feel? Feel good? I feel great. I really do. I feel great. I haven't been able to do it. We haven't talked about him. And that's a, I guess that's a good thing. You know, where last year, the entire offseason was the Daniel Jones offseason. We haven't talked about him much this year. So talking about him, man, it's just got the juices flowing. And I can't wait to just break down that first game. I wish we had some preseason games to break down. Most important player on the Giants roster. Most important player in the NFC East. How about that? All right. Thank you for sticking with us on these PPPs. Um... The numbers have been great. We just hit like our best download day yesterday. Um, this season's going to be awesome. We'll have an episode out. It'll be post scrimmage, so we're going to have um, you know what? I'll just spoil it because we can trust this guy, even though we haven't recorded it. Zach Rosenblatt will be on. We'll talk about the new signing, the corner from Denver. I'm already forgetting his name. It's it's weird. Isaiah like oh what guy? I don't know. Um, and then next week we'll do two episodes, and then we're then it's game week. So, um, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, let's go Big Blue.